Everybody. Welcome to the 127th edition of the Holy Backboard Podcast. I am Dustin here in Rip City, and I got my man. Sage, chilling here in uh, Beaverton, Oregon, and damn, dog. I just, I, uh, on, sa- on Saturday, we, uh, we did the, uh, tw- like a 24 hour stream for Dornbecker, and yo, I'm still tired. I stayed the up extra from, life. Yeah, the extra life. I stayed up from 10 p.m. to 3 a.m. I'm still tired from that, Doc. <laughs> You're washed now. I am. I absolutely am. Like, I, I saw, I saw like, a list of the things that you, like, if you're washed, you enjoy this. Like, the only thing that keeps me from get, being washed is the fact that I stay up to, like, 1 a.m. every night. Like, that's the only reason I'm not washed, bro. I remember when I met you, you were such a young pup, and now you're you're old and tired, know, just like man. me. I know, I know. Dog, well, when we met, I was not even twenty one yet, so it's been a it's been a long time. Uh, I mean, yo, we've grown old together. You know what I'm saying? Pretty soon, you're going to be stoked to pick out new towels and go to the farmers market on Saturday morning. It's it's a wonderful life. I, I I can't wait for you to get into your thirties and we can enjoy it together. <laughs> I'm still gonna play video games till three a.m. every week. I I know I am, yo. Yeah, but that's I'm all def- good as long as you get your local fruits and veggies from you know trusted vendors <laughs> that you become that you know on a first name basis. Oh God, uh, it's the move. So I have to be like social with strangers. Damn, uh, uh. cordial. You don't have to be social. Oh, Jesus, man. I'm- Ah, uh, 30 really is the best decade. Well, good thing our star players aren't 30, because we want them to be on the team for a long time. Uh, <laughs> enough old man talk. Let's talk about these Portland Trailblazers, bro. I mean, an- another really solid week for the Trailblazers. They go 3-1 and one and really ended up the East Coast trip phenomenally. Uh, they beat the Indiana Pacers 103-93 last Monday, a back-to-back against the Houston Rockets, who at the time did not have James Harden, but they completely blew that game open in the second half, ran away with it 104-85, uh, defeated your New Orleans Pelicans despite uh, a superstar MVP performance from Julius Randle, but Pelicans were on the second half of a back-to-back. No Anthony Davis, no Alfred Payton, and Portland ended up winning by 13, 132-119. Unfortunately, the streak against the Lakers is no more. Uh, L.A. built a 20-point lead based upon Portland's bench really not being able to produce as they did in that opener. Uh, Damon C.J. just provided a little too... uh, it was too little too late for, for the home team. Portland dropped uh, a close one, 114-110. But thankfully, they had a, uh, which is going to be a frequent scenario this season, a home back-to-back on the weekends, and they throttled the hapless and dysfunctional Minnesota Timberwolves by 30, 111-81. Uh, Damon C.J. really cooked, and Portland went big, and it worked, paid off in dividends. And Portland is now sitting 7-3. and three, 
which thanks to uh, Blazers by Cigar, who is a great follow for basically every Blazers stat you can need, it is the best start post Lamarcus Aldridge in the the four years that it has happened. And well, yeah, we we start out pretty slow to start the year, and then we play catch up. At least we've made a nice push in the beginning of the uh, of the season. But man, do you have LA Laker fans in your life that you talk to on a semi regular basis? I have a really good friend who I was in his wedding. He is a Laker fan, but he does like the Blazers too. Um, his redeeming quality is he is a massive Oregon Ducks fan, so we get along there. And <laughs> uh, he doesn't talk shit when the Lakers win, so I, I thank him for that. But that that is about it. I will say, I will say, I sat, I took Matt to the game, and I sat next to one of the most obnoxious Laker fans. We weren't talking shit to each other, but, you know, you would say your comment, he would say his, like we were just yelling at the crowd. Um, Basically, whenever you're at a game, you're just yelling into space. Super obnoxious. Eventually had to move closer to him because the people below messed their seat up. They ended up sitting next to us. You know, people kept coming up to him, checking the tickets like, Hey, is this your seat? He's like, yeah. So when I, I moved over, I tried to make small talk, you know, kind of, uh, cut the tension a little bit. And it's like, man, does anybody know where they're sitting? And so I kind of got a little chuckle out of them there. And then the row in front of us was the rip city lucky row. Apparently the prize for the night was a Metallica CD. And I heard him saying like, Oh, I really wish I had that. Um, gentleman in front of me handed me one because apparently they were given an extra and i was like you know what i'm not really into metallica the blazers are getting their ass kicked by about 20 i, I maybe he'll pipe down a bit so i i was like hey do you want this metallica cd i don't like it. he's like yeah thank you so much no he was an, an asshole with his comments the rest of the night so lesson learned for me never be nice to a laker fan i, I know that's probably hyperbole speaking but Either way, it was uh, pretty rough. I am thankful the Blazers made a comeback of it because mm. it was so loud when they went on that run. And uh, thankfully, Portland scared him a bit. But again, too little, too late in the streak. It's gone. We got to start a new one on November 14th. Yeah, like I have a bunch of Laker fans in my life, you know, but like I got one that like works for the team. And he was so just talking so much shit to me about like, you, I can finally listen to Damian Lillard songs again. Thank God. And just so jubilant that the Blazers finally lost to the Lakers. And I'm like, Doug, it was it. You got one out of 10. You're not, it isn't a good record. You should not, I mean, congrats on the win, but you shouldn't be super hyped about this one win. Mistakes happen. We're going to get in that ass next time we play. But man. My, 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 how the tables have turned. I remember when the Blazers were so stoked whenever we beat the Lakers because they were the high and mighty championship contenders and winning championships. And just, you know, a blemish to the the Blazers was, was no big deal because they had bigger aspirations. Of course, Portland doesn't have a championship to the name since 1977. But, you know, we made the playoffs and where have the Lakers been since 2010? They haven't done shit. So we have that over them. So it, I would say the Lakers winning finally makes it feel a little more of a rivalry because yeah. it was one-sided for for quite a while. And they will deny it. The Laker fan will deny it. 
but the Trailblazers are a rival, and they love beating us almost more than any team in the NBA, maybe outside of Boston, and that's if they're an old head. If they're an old head, they're, they're de- Celtics are definitely rival number one. But the way the fans are so hyped up in Portland for that game, we take it up a level. I think it brings out the intensity and you know all of the emotions for the Laker fan. They will not admit it, but deep down, the Trailblazers are a rival to the Lakers. And whether they like it or not, I think it, it, it's it's fact, especially with you know LeBron coming over and the games have been you know really fantastic. And we played each other you know twice within the first what sixteen days, and now we play them again uh, eleven days later. Uh, this you know the, the streak's over. Dame's basically known as a Laker killer. Uh, they have somewhat of a competent team again, so. You know, we could be fighting for a playoff spot. Hell, we could match up with them in the playoffs. And that's really what drove, you know, that rivalry in the 90s. And so, you know, I'm ready for for it to fully return. And, and I, I really feel like they recognize it now. Mm-hmm. There's no way they would be that happy that they, quote unquote, finally beat the Trailblazers. Yeah. If you're so happy that you finally beat the Trailblazers, that means there's something to there. Yeah, there, there's meaning to it. Because, you know, the Lakers fan would always be like, yeah, that's cute. The Blazers are cute. They've got the win. And then they're just so jazzed that they happen to finally get that W against the Blazers. It just shows that they, you know, they think about us. And that's always good to be on Laker fans' minds as as a rival. So before we move on from that game, I thought the turning point was Terry Stotts, and I know everybody in Rip City, I would say 95%, loves the dude. We're on the other side of the spectrum. I think we're in the minority here, and to me, I think he is a good coach. Mm. I don't think he's going to lead us to a championship. I don't think he's going to lead any team to a championship. That doesn't mean I think he should be fired right at the second. I mean, there has to be a capable replacement, a better replacement to take his spot. But I don't think there's anything wrong with a thinking he's not going to get us to a championship or B criticizing him for when I think he kind of screwed up. Mm. Look at that game. The game opening night was won because of our bench. It kind of got the flip script. The script was flipped on us because Rondo came off the bench for the Lakers and we had zero answer for him. He was a plus 28 Nearly had a triple double with 17, 10, and 6. He only missed two shots, and we still could not figure out how to defend a simple pick and roll for a guy who really cannot shoot outside of the paint, a contested shot. Um, you look at the rotations he made when Yusuf Nurkic picked up his fourth foul, instead of putting in the mobile Zach Collins, who had a huge impact on opening night, forget you not, all of those blocks on, on the drives. He goes to Myers Leonard, and then we went Myers and Caleb. Uh, it was just a clusterfuck. Portland really, I think, lost their poise, and the Lakers pounced. They smelt blood in the water, and they attacked. Mm. And it wasn't until Damon CJ got inserted later on in, in the game where, where things started to, to settle down a bit. And, you know, what I would have liked to have seen from Stotts in that situation was a timeout much sooner. Bring Damon CJ in sooner as well, and if you're going to take Nurk out, bring in Zach Collins. Like you can't, you can't expect Myers to come in cold all the time, like a pinch hitter, and and work wonders. 
Uh, Zach Collins is part of this rotation and has proven to be a really valuable piece early on in the season. So um, I know Terry Stotts can only drop the plays. He can't make them hit threes in Portland. They, they did their part. The players did their part. They missed a ton of, of open threes, a lot of momentum killers. We were 6 of 35 from, from downtown. I mean, that, that's the story of the mm. game. But at the end of the night, you still have to play defense. I know in the 2018-2019 era, defense feels like it's optional. And it's being, you know, very – the game is being called at an all-time tightness in terms of you're, they really don't want you to play defense. But yeah, the, the find, whole restrictive, um, like restricted movements type fouls really just destroy certain, you know, when you when you see a good defensive play, but you know, he was in the guy's way, so it was a little, it was a little tough. I I think that Rondo has extreme confidence against the Blazers because you saw his success opening night, you saw his success in the playoffs. Like that was the pl- that was the plus matchup. That was the only matchup that Rondo would have made the the MLE this year as if he played the Blazers and he knows it and once he smelt blood in the water he's one of the most sm- intelligent basketball players you can see all the shit that he does off the court and think he's a scumbag but on the court he's one of the most intelligent guys there so when he sees that the team is struggling when he sees that they might the Blazers did some weird rotations he's gonna take advantage and then LeBron James is also one of the most intelligent so like they have two really smart figureheads on that team and, but like, uh, yeah, it's just, it's just a tough, it's a tough one when the bench isn't being as productive as we'd like. And then the, the matchups aren't in the, the, the Blazers favor. And I don't think Rondo's gonna not have a good game against us until, unless we make roster movements. Cause he it, just knows it. It just doesn't seem like it, it's too difficult of, of a play to stop. And I, I watched it countless times you go under the screen and you just have to beat Rondo to the spot. And then you kind of blow up that pick and roll. The problem is our guards are a step too late and he's turning the corner. Once he turns the corner, you're basically at his mercy. And the only way that's going to happen is if you get a a weak side block or he misses his layup. Otherwise it's a, it's a layup, which he, he has proven time and time again to make those tough contested shots or he's lobbing it up for a guy like JaVale, JaVale McGee, um, but the one thing I hope the Blazers took from this game is to not rely on the three-point shot. I know we have a lot of shooters on, on this team, and I I know that the mantra is you need to really have a, a short memory. However, there comes a point in time in the game where you realize it's not your night from downtown. Mm-hmm. And when you're 6 of 35 and you're missing blatant, wide-open looks, you need to start getting a little bit closer to the basket. And that's really where where Dame and CJ did a lot of work. I think I saw a stat where CJ was 6 of 7 or something like that in the fourth quarter. And I feel like Portland could take that experience to the November 14th game against Lakers in Los Angeles and exploit them. As, As bad as their defense was, the Lakers' defense wasn't wonderful either. Portland just operated at a normal pace at a normal clip. I think they win the game, you know, eight, nine points because they were getting such easy looks with Damon CJ operating in the mid range. It's almost like it's the forgotten forbidden area in the NBA, mm-hmm. but they were getting busy there. They were getting to the rim. They were drive, uh, drawing fouls, really making the Lakers pay for the, their, their shoddy defense. So um, as bad as it was that the streak ended, um, all good things must come to an end, but hopefully they learned 
okay, let's not live by the three and die by the three. If, it, if it's not working, we need to be able to be smart enough to realize, okay, I don't have it tonight. How can I get, how can I help my team in other ways? I, th- I think our pick and roll defense has been really bad since I think Houston, the Houston game, they, they were getting a little bit of run off that pick and roll, but it like you saw it with new Orleans, you saw it with the Lakers. I think Terry needs to get these guys back and show them the film because it's going to be an embarrassing amount of just easy pick and rolls. Like the you Drew the game was bad. I felt like we actually finally defended Chris Paul fantastically. I mean, we held them to eighty-five. Okay, yeah, yeah, you're right. It was the same. It was the same uh, scheme. The Bla- the Rockets and the Pelicans ran the same pick and roll set a lot, and the Rockets did. Didn't do well, but Drew Holiday got in, and I mean, like Julius Randle scored like twenty points off the pick and roll. That's where I was thinking. So, may, I, but, but the case is still the same. That pick and roll got a uh, pick and roll defense got abused this week. Luckily, we got wins out of it. But man, when games get more important, we're gonna need to focus on defending that pick and roll. Back to the Rockets, they kind of look like a dumpster fire. I know James Harden's came back, and I believe they have won three three straight games. Um, they 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 beat the Brooklyn Nets when when when, when James came back, um, and they just beat the Pacers in Indiana tonight, which was a really solid win. But this was a game I was tremendously worried about, and. Figured a guy like Gerald Green or Chris Paul would have a career night and kind of kind of ruin a golden opportunity for Portland. But I was proud and impressed that we really took it to them. And once we got up by, we had a really nice run towards the end of the half, and it put us up by by 15 points. We did not rest on that lead and actually bumped it up close to 30. And that regardless of who's on the roster, that's been a tough arena mm-hmm. for Portland to play in. And I really loved Dame just destroying the Rockets in the pick and roll. Clint Capella couldn't stay with him. Chris Paul couldn't stay with him. He was making the right decision at the right time. And I think even more importantly, you look at the minutes played. No Blazer starter played more than 28 minutes. And that's on the second night of a back-to-back. So what's wonderful is Portland is seven and three, and I really don't think the Blazers are playing heavy minutes for their key players, which was really always a worry mm-hmm. throughout Stotts' tenure, especially after Lamarcus left. So hopefully we're saving those legs, and we can continue to have fresh legs because the more the more we can kind of monitor and pace these guys, I think the less of a chance we have a lull in, in terms of maybe, you know, we lose four or five or we lose three or four. If we keep them fresh, hopefully that can, can help and and pay dividends down, down the road in in the dog days of, of the basketball winter. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Didn't CJ McCollum, wasn't he like number one in miles ran last year? He's been number one, I think the last two or three years. Yeah. So like, Anytime, it, it, anytime that we can, anytime we can get our main guys to rest, it's going to be a, a, a very important thing for the, uh, for the, the for the playoffs. Because if we're th- if we're doing so well now, playoffs have to be on the minds of our team, and all these wins are so important. So if we can, if we can get those two guys more rest, it, it, then we won't we won't see that uh that lull. It, it, it win games really count. So what are your what are your thoughts? 
on the Houston Rockets. I, I know Harden's back, but what I saw from that team was not the team of last year. Do you think emotionally, physically, that they put all their eggs into last year's run and when it came up short that the losses of Ariza and Mbamute and the Ryan addition Anderson. of the addition of, of Mello um, just really was too much to bear. And you've got an aging Chris Paul. Um, it, to me, it, it, it didn't look like the same team. And I mm. don't expect them to win a lot of games without their MVP, but Sage, they, they just weren't even tr- trying. I mean, they looked awful. Yeah, to be completely it, honest. It, they look weak defensively. They, I mean, they just look weak defensively, and I think that lack of shooting really hurts them. When you replace Ariza, who can get hot and hit massive amounts of trays, Ryan Anderson, who's, you know, a prototypical stretch four, and replace with James Ennis, who isn't much of a shooter, and Carmelo, you really lose a lot of that, that the fear, the fear of leaving those guys wide open for those open J's. Now that doesn't, I don't, I'm not scared if we happen to leave James Ennis open in the corner. If he shoots it, most likely it's going to miss. So I think that, and then just like, they just aren't the same defensive team. Are they the clear cut number two in the West? No. Will they be at the end of the year? I don't think so. That opens it up for a team like Denver. Yeah, Denver looks great. Like Portland. Uh, we look great. I mean, I know it's 10 games in right now, but it's a, a lot it, of predictions mm-hmm. preseason look awful. Um, mine with the Pelicans, they started at 4 0. They've, they've lost six straight. Injuries injuries happen. Yeah, it um, happens to every team, man. Utah is 4 and 6. That was a big deal for them. Can they stay healthy? Donovan Mitchell has not been able to. Um, Utah's 0-4 at home. When is the last time that has happened? Uh, Minnesota is obviously a train wreck right now with this Jimmy Butler saga. Uh, the Lakers look like they're going to end up being a 500 team. Um, maybe a little bit better depending on what LeBron can do, but um, I'm not so certain there. The Thunder look like they've gotten their groove back after an 0-4 well, start. Well, Russell Westbrook's ankle. he got but The it. X-rays were negative. Yeah, but holy shit, that looked awful. I mean, if I'm a Trailblazer fan right now, I'm feeling pretty confident mm-hmm. that home court advantage is in play. Um, I know 10 games in is a pretty small sample size, but I don't foresee the likes of Memphis, Sacramento, or the Clippers being of any threat throughout the duration uh, of the season. Uh, the Spurs are six and three, but they also showed vulnerability by losing at home to the Magic, and Portland handled them with ease. I feel like that's a really good matchup with them. Uh, Denver does look for real, um, as long as they. I mean, they're still waiting to get Isaiah Thomas back, and that was who I thought was going to push and them. And will, yeah, and Will Barton. So into the playoffs, so Denver looks like a legit threat right now. Um, they they've handed the Warriors their only loss so far. I think if you're Portland, a three four seed is is. Definitely on the table. You just have to make sure that you win your games at home. And Portland has, you know, three games left on this six-game homestand. But you don't want to look back and say, I really wish we had that Wizards game back. I really wish we had that Miami Heat game back. So although they are taking advantage of when teams are injured and 
beating good teams on the schedule already. I mean, I think that San Antonio win kind of speaks for itself right now. They still need to minimize those head-scratching losses because <clears throat> here's 15 teams in the West. Only four get home court advantage. You know the Warriors are taking one of those spots. So there's three spots. You want to be one of them. You really The margin for error is razor thin. So that's why it maybe it maybe comes across as never being happy but you're just overly critical when there there's so much on the line because this team right now looks i think they look considerably better than they did did last year mm. so in this 10 games what are the things that like surprised you i mean obviously from from game 1 the bench i think they've really only let us down once and that was saturday night against the lakers um, it doesn't hurt my eyes watching Evan Turner play basketball. I think Terry Stotts finally found the correct role for him. Um, I don't know why it, it took so long. This is the role. <laughs> yeah, he, that was the role he thrived in in Boston, yeah. but putting the ball in his hands, letting him make plays. I still hate when he shoots three pointers unless they are wide open, but he's able to get to the rim. He's a calming presence on that defense. Um, Zach Collins has emerged as a fantastic prospect and someone you really feel confident in when, when he steps on the court, whether that's to, to play solid man-to-man defense, provide the, the weak side shot blocking, but also now when he gets the ball in the post, you're kind of watching to see what move comes next. Last year was like, oh my God, just, just, just stand upright and get the ball in the basket. I think where Portland is going to struggle and I think it was evident in that Lakers game is when Stauskas and Curry can't get their shots off or can't dial it in from downtown. They're really the straw that stirs Portland's drink on the bench because they, they're, they're instant offense. And when they go cold, now you're really relying on Damon CJ and Damon CJ just, they combined for 60, but even then that, that simply wasn't enough. Not in today's NBA when you really need about 120 to win. So, Moving forward, especially with Mo Harkless and the uncertainties of his knee, we're going to rely heavily on Curry and Stauskas to not only lead that bench, but one of those two is typically in in the finishing five mm-hmm. to, to move forward. So look out for them. And typically when they play well, we play Portland well. plays yeah. well. I've been very impressed with Nick Stauskas. Um, I will take 100% of, of mm-hmm. the blame for, for talking shit when that signing happened, but he's been knocking it down from three. And I've been even more impressed – with his ability to not only put the ball on the floor, but he dishes out to Zach, I think three or four times a game lately, just getting him easy buckets. So he's really using his athleticism to his advantage. And I think that's, I think he's a significant upgrade over Pat Connaughton, like night and day. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's still, his passes confuse me on the fast break, but other than that, I'm pretty happy with his offense. I mean, you know, Nick is never going to be that like, dominant player but he is a damn good uh complimentary guy so you can't expect a perfect chris paul or whatever the 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 pick is for the perfect guy when you're paying him the vet minimum so you got to take his warts and all but definitely when he's hot there's this certain vibe to the team when they're like oh shit he's hitting from there Let's fucking go. So yeah, I, I like him as that uh, that uh, gunner off the bench, and he knows his role. I don't think he's trying to be a superstar. 
He just knows his role and is, is playing good ball. Will it last? I don't know, but damn, I'm enjoying it right now. What What have you noticed? What has stood out to you over these first 10 games? I think we are playing smarter. I think... In what areas? Offensively. Like, when... In the first few games, it felt like when something didn't work, we would... Like, go do it over and over and over again until we just, like, until a timeout was called and then a change of strategy. Now I think the offense is more adapt to change. God damn it, I gotta put my shit on do not disturb. Anyway, yeah, I, I think our offense is more, uh, is more loose and I think that it's just the continuity and the trust and the winning. The winning helps with all. So, I, but I do, I feel, the, the offense is being more uh, versatile. Any cause for concern? I don't want to see what our team looks like if we're going through a cold spell shooting. Other than that, not really. I I feel good. I feel good about this team. Injuries also scare the shit out of me because we we have depth now, but if an, uh, if a legitimate injury happens i'm really worried but we're at the point where it's like are we gonna be buyers in this free agency and try and improve this team because it is a it it, it, in the in in the west coast man you you gotta buy assets if you're close to competing so is is it at the point where it's like maybe we pull the trigger on some on some uh, players that we weren't thinking about 10 you know, 10 games ago, but that's a long, that's a long uh, time from now, but it's definitely something you can keep your eye out on. If Portland were to be a buyer, who, who, what position to me, it's, it's clear. I wish we still had him. It's Noah Vonley. It's that athletic big. It's that athletic big who gets down in a stance, can play defense, rebound, block shots, finish around the rim and if you're lucky, develops the confidence to turn into a, a pick-and-pop shooter. But regardless of that, he's an incredible defender who I think would have looked fantastic alongside Zach Collins. I definitely think that an athletic an athletic rim protector that might have a shot would help. Maybe some more wing depth because we are pretty weak at the wing position. But I think those are the two glaring weaknesses. And you can't really have a team besides the Warriors where it's like there's no warts. So I get it, but we're at a chance. It's like a time to think about pushing some chips in to acquire more talent. So it, it, I definitely do see that, that, that just athletic guy because we have a lot of strong, strong players like a Nurk. Uh, Myers and Caleb are basically the same body type of guy, like powerfully built athletes. So the the only two that are like versatile enough to uh, like chase people is Zach and Aminu. So I would love to see someone who can like move their hip, move their feet, have fluid hips to defend. Because there are teams that just have shooters everywhere, and we haven't seen it uh, really. Where like, oh snap, Zach got into foul trouble. Let's put in option here and let him shut down Nico Meredith from three or something. Yeah, I think with defense being at a premium and scoring being at an all-time high, 
the ability to get stops is even more crucial. And the teams that do that and have the players who can be versatile on that end of the floor, switch, play both in the post and the perimeter, and allow Portland to cook up really elaborate defensive schemes, those are the teams that are going to play deep into into the spring. One other thing I would like to see is like maybe another vet added to the roster. Someone who can play and is that can show the ropes and mentor a little bit more. That might be nice, but I would really like to have a a a a, a athletic big. How are you feeling about CJ McCollum? We had a fan question from uh Brandon Goldner, um at Goldner PDX of the Trailcasters. And he wants to know, is CJ okay? And I would have said no up until Saturday. I I think he really got his groove back against the Lakers, especially in that fourth quarter when it looked like he just went into, like he stopped thinking and he just just played. Um, He was getting to the rim. He was using the hesitation that that baseline move to to free himself from McGee was beautiful. He was getting more separation on that that step back from mid-range. And he just looked like he was dialed in a little bit more. Mm. I mean, he finished with 30 points on 13 of 24 uh, from the field. And more importantly, he followed it up with another effective night uh, the following night against the Timberwolves. 16 points, 50% from the floor. Again, he didn't have to play a ton of minutes. The game was over by halftime. But it really looked like he was getting his stroke back inside the arc. Mm. He's, both he and Dame are still struggling from three. Um, Portland only shot seven of 28 in total. So it almost seems like feast or famine, which I think most NBA teams um, feel when it comes to, to long-range shooting. Mm. But overall, I'm feeling better about CJ because we are going to need CJ to play at his level for for us to frankly stay where we're at. If we want to keep going seven and three over a ten game stretch, we really need all hands on deck. We're, we're talented, but we're not that talented mm-hmm. where we can afford a couple guys, you know, having off nights, having off stretches, you know, slumping. We really need to click and click for prolonged periods of time if we really want to separate ourselves and. I don't think we're ever going to be a threat to the Warriors, but be a threat to get out of the second round. I mean, I think that should be the goal. How can we be competitive in the second round? Because up until this point, really, over the last 18, 19 years, no Blazer roster has been competitive in the second round. I think he was pressing. He had a few bad games and things got into his head. He definitely looked free in that Lakers game, which is important. I think if he just just plays ball, he'll just be fine. He's talented. Once you get past that 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 th- overthinking and just play, shit gets a lot easier. Like we we talk about basketball like it's this complex thing, but at the end of the day, when you play your game and and just relax and breathe, the game's very simple. I mean, it was designed for third graders and stuff, right? So, like, the game's simple. There's things that are complex about it, but when you play your game and you feel comfortable, shit just gets easy. Like, he just has to play play the game that he's played for shit his entire life. Let's keep these fan questions rolling in. We have another from longtime listener, longtime friend, Shalimar Clark. Oh my god, for real? 
For real, for real. Holy shit, I need to be on Twitter more often. Thoughts? I mean, we already discussed it, but let's touch on it a little bit more. Thoughts on the Blazers bench? Are the reserves exceeding expectations? I would say absolutely. Absolutely. To me, going into the season, they were the crutch of the team. And I think for the majority of these 10 games, they've been the strength of the team. I think they powered Portland, especially on that Eastern Conference road trip. Um, They've really only fumbled once over these 10 games. And I worry a little bit about Seth Curry. Um, I think it might, it's not time quite yet for Gary Trent Jr. to start getting some of those minutes, but he was 0 for 5 against the Los Angeles Lakers with uh, his brother in the building. And he really struggled to get shots off against the Timberwolves. He was just one of three. It seems like he has a hard time getting loose and shaking away from his defender. Um, He's the only kind of weak link I I see right now, but hopefully we can start devising more plays to get him open looks because, like I said, he and Nick are the the X factors moving forward. Um, I think the other weakness to keep an eye on is that that second big. Zach Collins has obviously been fantastic. Um, Myers has been hit or miss this year. Uh, he looked really good against the Timberwolves, uh, getting uh, 15 points and 12 boards. And Caleb Swanigan had a double-double, I believe, against the Pacers. Mm. And then followed it up with another strong night against the, the Houston Rockets. But again, both have had their inconsistent moments as well. So I think really loving what we're getting out of Turner, Stauskas, and Collins. But we still need more consistency from that second big off the bench. And we've got to find a way to get Seth Curry loose because that was the free agent signing I was really excited about. And he can get lethal. I mean, when he gets dialed in, I just don't think we we've seen it quite yet. Yeah. We haven't seen a good, we haven't seen a good Seth game. Holy shit. So, so hopefully we get it. Hopefully we get a good Seth game. Holy shit. Shall Mark Clark, man, that is my man right there. That is, that is my dude. I'm so happy. He sent us a, a question that, that's my brother right there. Of course you are as well, but you know, as a young a young man, Shalmar Clark's mentorship meant a lot to me. So I'm really happy that uh he had to uh he he wrote us in a question. So I look on Twitter and it seems like you're going to ambush me with a question of your own. What I already it, did it with the uh what have you learned in the last ten games? Because I, I thought, you know, it it's always it, it's a process, man. It it is so like you got to see the improvement from game one to game ten, and I think we have addressed it in this podcast. That was my ambush question, but damn, Shalmar Clark asking the question kind of got me out of my game. But holy shit, I'm glad you're glad you asked that question, bro. So new feature, gonna start doing this every week. Send out a poll on Twitter. Mine was, where does Damian Lillard rank right now in the NBA? The top five, top 10, top 15, top 20. Where does he rank for you? Because it's been on my mind. And I wanted to kind of get your thoughts. I think I, I would have to say top five. Steph Curry is pro- is doing b- better. And I, I I would put him in two, three, two through five, to be completely honest. Like, I think... S- Curry's number one. I think you could make an argument for uh, Joker, who's been killing it for the Nuggets. I think Dame's in there. I think Kawhi, Giannis, and LeBron. 
But I, I, I would put Dame in my top five. Wow. I felt like I was being a little bit homer. I was going to go top eight. Well, who, who, who do you, who do you think would take him out of the top five? I mean, I, I need to see. And I don't know if he can do this in the regular season. I mean, all of these guys that I'm about to discuss have either put up better numbers in the regular season or done it in the postseason in recently. But we're only talking about this 10 games. We are, but I do think there has to be some historical context, like not five years ago, but maybe like, you know, still in the calendar year. Mm -hmm. For example, like I'm not going to hold it against Kawhi Leonard that he can't play on back to back nights, but you've already seen his impact. I think he's he's a player. Um, Lowry's killing it too. Got to shout out to him. Anthony Davis. I, I'm not going to knock him for being injured because when he's healthy, he's, he's fantastic. one of the best players in yeah. the game. But I would he's say up. he had this whole thing about he has to play perfect basketball for the Pelicans to win. And he has not played perfect basketball one one game. I think Damian Lillard has played ba- uh, perfect basketball twice. He For right now, Damian Lillard is higher than Anthony Davis. And for me to say that means something. I'm literally looking at a Dam- uh, an Anthony Davis painting to my right. So, Damian Lillard has been killing it this year, man. The only person that I really would say, nah, he's not doing better than his Curry. I mean, and that, and that, that might be the homer in me, but dude, if you look at what Damian Lillard has done in the last 10 games, it's like, Dude, your your PR is incredible, but like the eye test, you're doing everything right. You you're a leader on the team. He's been killing it, so he's easily in my top five. I mean, I'll, I'll take it. And I mean, yo, there's some fuck, there are some ballers in this NBA, man. Like Kemba Walker's putting up numbers, but I would take Dame over him. Like the only I, person, like I would that. It's it's Steph. Like he's incredible. He's putting up video game numbers in like twenty five minutes. But Damien's p- fucking awesome too. I think Greek Freak is doing more. He's. I mean, yeah. But still, I mean, there's three more spots. Yeah, okay. and there's always that argument of Damien Freak. So, I mean, I I have him again. I know I the que- what I love is the question is up for interpretation. Mm-hmm. And I did said did say right now, I think he's he's top eight. I think he's closing in on the top ten. But well, closing in top five. Top five. Yes, yeah. you, you are correct. Um, it's just so tough. You've got Curry. You've got Durant. Um, LeBron's not playing great, but he's still LeBron. I mean, you know what I mean. So it's it's mm-hmm. that that's. I mean, the the question was right now, and like you know, but Dame has been fucking awesome. Yeah. So fifty one percent of our audience said top ten, thirty seven percent said top five, nine percent said top fifteen, and someone who's probably just being a hater three percent said top twenty. So. I feel like I know that person's a Lakers fan. No. <laughs> but, man, like, yo, Dame, like, eye test, advanced stats. Dude, it's been fucking fantastic. And he, you know, Quick I don't question. care if other people, like, people in the media don't know him or 
you know, like make up fucking facts about him. The fact is, he is balling his ass off right now. And, you know, I'm happy to be rooting for a dude who's just killing shit right now. If we're looking at MVP, which is most valuable player, is it fair to put any member of the Golden State Warriors in that conversation because of how stacked that roster is? I ask you because Steph Curry is being unreal right now, but he has never faced a double team. He has no pressure in terms of if he misses, it's no big deal. He can just toss it to his buddy to the left, Kelly Thompson to the right, KD, and, and they'll hit it. He doesn't feel the pressure of carrying a team on his back. I mean, we're talking about arguably the most talented team that has ever, ever been collected in the NBA. So I think there could be an award for the best overall player, but in terms of most valuable player. Yeah, you're using the term value. I If Steph keeps it up, he's getting MVP. But if we're using a- the term valuable, Dame is more valuable to the team or like – Kyle Lowry or someone like that is more valuable, but it seems like MVP is normally given to the best player right now, not the most valuable. But I guess you have to factor in team situations as well. So for me, I would just find it hard to give someone that award playing on such a stacked team just because of what guys like Greek Freak and Kawhi and Dame and AD have to do on a nightly basis. They are the focal point of every team's defense. Mm -hmm. There's not much help. What they're doing is that much more impressive, even if the numbers don't Mm -hmm. add up to what Steph's doing. So uh, what other team besides the Portland Trailblazers do you enjoy watching in this first 10 games? I mean, I think it's going to be a, a team that's going to come into the the Rose Garden on Tuesday. I mean, the Milwaukee Bucks. It's it's not going to be entertaining if you're a Blazer fan because they've given Portland fits really since Giannis broke onto the scene. Um, they got rid of Jason Kidd. Budenholzer's kind of done his thing. They they he's a bad boy. They make the most threes in the NBA, um, which I don't necessarily love. I just I think it's awesome that they have probably right now the best player in the NBA in a small market. So small market to small market. I respect the game. Giannis. Yes. He's going to get away with a ton of shit, but he's still, I mean, they call him the Greek freak for a reason. He's incredible to watch. Chris Middleton is low key. Mm. One of the best players. Yep. Um, Perfect combo for each other on the wing. Yeah. I've always liked their jerseys. I've loved their color schemes. Um, Just always kind of been like a team I'll pull for. Um, I, I love seeing that the Raptors are finally mm-hmm. out of Lebronto um, and kind of thriving on their own. It's mostly Eastern Conference teams because after being a, in the West and all these playoff battles, you really hate every damn team in the Western <laughs> Conference. Yeah, I, I make, when Kawhi's playing, I make it a point to watch Kawhi. And Kyle Lowry is just, dude... We watched him as a, like a really angry player in Houston to just this fucking fantastic point guard. So the Raptors are probably my favorite team to watch. Not the port, not named the Portland Trailblazers. I absolutely hate watching the Pelicans right now. Fucking furious with how bad they've been playing defensively. 
So yeah, definitely the Raptors are my favorite non-Blazer team. The Blazers have the Bucks on Tuesday, the Clippers on Thursday, and the Celtics on Sunday. They're two and one right now. It would be beautiful if they could go two and one in this stretch. Mm-hmm. I'm feeling a little nervous. Let's talk about the Bucks first and foremost. Arguably the hottest team in the entire NBA. Boonholzer's just got that team running on a lot of on, on all cylinders. They've got they've got spacers to give Giannis per, a lot of space. I, I I honestly think that X factor is always going to be Chris Middleton because he seems to really love just getting thirty on us easy. I'm not really scared about Bledsoe. It's mostly Giannis and uh, Middleton, but that team's really well built and tall, so that like their length is gonna really mess up our shoot our, our team because they can just close out really easily when we we we're, we're gonna run our three guard lineup. It's our most successful lineup and too big. So it's like, you know, you could see them really interrupting the shots and stuff. It's going to be a very tough game for us to win. But what so are you seeing? So, yeah, for, for me, this is not only the first real test for the Blazers this season. It's also their most difficult. You're looking at a team that is putting up 122 points per game, second only to the Golden State Warriors. Their differential on a per-game basis is nearly 16 points, easily the best in the entire NBA. And they have what drives Portland crazy is length. Mm -hmm. Length always gives our smaller backcourt a lot of problems. And quite frankly, in the two most important matchups, at forward with Giannis and at the two-guard with Chris Middleton, we really don't have anyone who can match up with them. Uh, I honestly can't remember the last time we have beaten the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, we had some success last year in Milwaukee uh, defending Giannis, kind of what we did with LaMarcus earlier this year, sending the double team early and often, making others beat us. For whatever reason, we gave up on that, and it was a crazy finish, but it, they handed us our first loss of the season. Yeah, it wasn't it a foul, but it, a steal, but it should have been called a foul? Yes. Okay. Um, and, and you also look at Chris Middleton, where in the games in Portland, he's gotten off to fast starts. He's the East Coast version to me of, of, of a Clay Thompson when it comes to playing the Blazers. If I he think has he's a big better, night, though. I just, I, I just don't see that there's any way Portland can win, especially if we're going to try and match CJ McCollum with him because they're smart enough. They, they do live by the three, but they have that matchup, and he he's – he can post up. In the post. Yeah. yeah, he posts up CJ, and Portland's going to have to be strategic in when they decide to double. I know Milwaukee makes the most threes in the entire NBA, but I think Portland is going to have to make them prove it. Now, if they're hot, there's just going to be no stopping them. But you cannot let Middleton ISO McCollum time and time again because it, it, it's going to be going to be lunch meat. And, and the same thing happens with Giannis. Chief can do an admirable job. He did the best he could do against LeBron, even how to highlight block. But good offense will beat good defense every time down mm-hmm. the floor. And I, I really think if, if Terry Stotts does not have a good defensive strategy, it's it's going to be a non-contest. This is one of the games where I feel yeah. like Mo Harkless would be a very valuable player to have. Because I could see Chief being on, uh, on Giannis, and then you put... 
Harkless on Middleton and then you put CJ on Snell. Isn't that, yeah, because that, you're not really scared of him doing what Chris Middleton's gonna do to CJ. And then Eric Bledsoe's getting guarded by Dame. And then you, you see Brooke Lopez and he is the type of guy that Nurk can feast on. But we don't have Mo Harkless, so that, that strategy's not gonna work. But like, damn, he, this is the game where I'm like, damn, they have so much length. Mo Harkless would be a fantastic player to have right, right here. To me, the X factor is going to be Yusuf Nurkic. Mm-hmm. I think Portland can win this game if they win the points in the paint battle. They slow it down a tad. Don't get into a, an up-and-down affair like you did against the Washington Wizards. And you get them in foul trouble. Uh, I think Brooke Lopez is actually a pretty good matchup mm-hmm. for Nurkic. I'm fine with Lopez taking the shots instead of a guy like Middleton or or Giannis, which which we've discussed, uh, we need the Nurk who really beasted against the Timberwolves. And if we get that, I think Portland Portland could win. What what's your X factor? I think it's how we defend Chris Middleton. I think Giannis is getting his regardless. But if we can make it so Middleton doesn't get thirty as well, it makes the the defense a little bit more palatable. <laughs> Obviously, Nurk has to body body Brook, but we got to make sure Middleton has doesn't have one of those goddamn it, Chris games, bro. So, what's your prediction? I think we take this L. Yeah, I do too. I wouldn't be surprised if it's by ten either. I just think Milwaukee is one of those teams where it is a it's just a bad matchup. Mm-hmm. Um, I would love to be be wrong, but um, this game when I saw the six game trip. I already had it marked as as a loss. It's mm-hmm. one of those where I need to see it before before I believe it. But thankfully, another game comes right around the corner Thursday night. The Los Angeles Clippers come to town, and outside of a last second Blake Griffin three pointer, Portland handled them with with relative ease last year. And, and they played them when they had DeAndre and Blake, and they played them when they brought in Tobias Harris and you know Boban. Um, the one difference is. Patrick Beverly is back. Um, Gallo's Gallo's playing too. Gallo's playing as well. And, you know, this is a team that six and four probably look a little bit better than most experts had them pegged. Um, This is a game where Portland's going to need their size, just like they did against Mm -hmm. Minnesota. You know, Boban, he's been starting for for the Clippers and, you know, he puts up numbers. His his, like stats per minute. Incredible, just incredible, just crazy. I think this is a this is a matchup though for Nurk because they're both powerful athletes. This is one for Nurk to just dominate them. Of course, Bobby's gonna be tall as fuck, but you know what? Nurk Nurk's not gonna get caught on any pick and rolls with Boban, man. So this is a good one. This is a good one for a Nurk game. And I think the best way to defend. Marinovich is to make his life miserable on defense. And and, and what I mean by that is Doc Rivers has him in the game because he is a huge advantage, but he's only advantage if you're not taking advantage of him on the defensive end. He's one of those players that can make it look easy on offense. He's dunking everything left and right, but he can give up a shit ton in the Mm -hmm. pick and roll on the opposite end of the floor. Force them to make that change. Absolutely correct. So I'm looking for Damian Lillard, CJ McCollum, Evan Turner, the ball handlers on this team, every time he's in that game, you run the pick and roll to death. 
that is all you do. You make him move his feet. You tire him out, and you go to the, the you go to the paint. They are too quick and too crafty to not get to the paint. I don't want to see Portland fall in love with a three point shot this game. Uh, we need to take advantage of them. Um, and also, I think we've actually done a really nice job on on Tobias Harris, mm-hmm. the one guy who has taken a Better. lot of shots is Lou Williams. Okay, and, you didn't say my guy, thank God. And he's he's been he actually had a couple of quiet nights against Portland, especially after he was snubbed from the All-Star game. Um but he's a guy who can who can heat up in an instant, the modern day microwave. So I think my X factor is making Boban play defense, scoring in the paint, and also winning that that bench battle because we need our guys Stauskis and Curry to heat up. We cannot let their bench light us up like their Los Angeles counterparts did this past Saturday. I think, of course, the pick and rolling Bobby to death is is one of the strats, but I think not fouling, playing defense without fouling, because you see Gallo, and it seems like every time he's healthy, he gets our wings into such bad foul trouble because he's crafty, he's smart. So it's playing defense without fouling and getting them to the line and into the bonus early and often. So I want to see how they are able to play defense on those talented wings. Prediction? I think we win this one. I think we do as well. And I think the unsung hero is going to be Alfaro Camino. I think he's going to do a really nice job on Tobias Harris, which I think will be just enough to neutralize what is a potent offense right now for the Clippers who are averaging you know, 116 a night. Portland's averaging 117. So I think Chief is going to do the dirty work. And Portland is going to improve uh, to what would be eight wins if our predictions hold uh, correct through the season. And Montrez Harold's a beast, by the way. I like yes. watching him play basketball. And that's another member of the bench that Portland really has to to, to minimize. Yeah, that, that bench has some, has some ballers, man. And so that's on Zach. That's on Myers. That's on Caleb. Anybody who comes in. Be prepared to box out, and that's why we did so well because yeah. we had Ed Davis. So that's a really good point. Watch that matchup. Whoever Harrell is in for, can Portland rebound and control mm. control the defensive and class? possessions? So last on the docket is the Boston Celtics, who probably aren't living up to the preseason hype. Yes, they are implementing two new members into their starting five, you know, Kyrie Irving missed a lot of time and Gordon Hayward missed basically every, every second of the 2018 season, but they're just six and four, um, three and three away from, uh, Beantown. And excuse me, this is a game where Portland, Portland blew a game, a golden opportunity against the Celtics last year without Kyrie. And it was Al Horford. Mm-hmm. which is going to be the X factor for me. He is one of the best pick and pop perimeter bigs in the game. He's extended his range over the past couple years out to the three point line. And they ran that to death. Essentially Terry took Nurk out. We couldn't rebound the rest of the way. That to me is what I'm going to look for because right now the Boston Celtics I still think lack a go-to score. I don't know if if Kyrie, he's not consistent enough in my mind to to be that guy. Yeah, he had a bad. He has had a very bad start of the season. Like the first four games, it was just not not happening. He did have a really good game against the Nuggets tonight, but 
it's not consistent enough yet. And then obviously they have an incredible bench with Marcus Smart and um, Terry Rozier, but Tatum and Brown are still young pups. Hayward looks looks pretty lost still early mm-hmm. in his Celtics career. Portland can win this game, but they need to figure out how to defend Al Horford because he and rebound. He is aging like a fine fine wine. He has gotten so much better than he ever was at any point with the Atlanta Hawks. Credit to Brad Stevens, he's kind of the the Jedi master when it when it comes to getting the most out of his players, but Horford was already a, a really polished product coming over a couple seasons ago, and now he's really refined his game. So maybe that's an area where we see a little less Nurk and more Zach Collins mm-hmm. because this matchup to me feels tailored for for Zach. I think yes, that is that is what I would do. I would if Nurk's getting abused, which we both think he will be. I think it'd be a good move for us to play uh, Zach in. But then that means the other four players on the court have to gang rebound. And I want to see if we will be able to send all of our guys and uh, get that rebound. Because we do like to leak out a lot. And with the Celtics, we can't afford that because they do have, they have length. They have skilled players. They know that that's easy buckets. So close out on Horford, but then... All of our guys have to get that rebound. So for me, I think Portland gets the win. I I saw on online Jamal Murray put up 48 points in a Denver victory mm-hmm. over the Celtics. The Celtics have an extremely tough Western Conference uh, road trip, as as do the Bucks. I think this is a better chance for Portland to win if Murray is giving that Celtics defense. Fits. Hell, yeah. just imagine what Damon CJ can do. I think we're going to get big nights from our Blazer backcourt. I do foresee Zach Collins really minimizing Horford's impact, especially if he's going to pick and pop. And, you know, I like Portland's ability to, to close it out. They really respond well after kind of getting knocked back. And, you know, I think they might get knocked back in against, the, against the Bucks, but I think they're going to finish with two wins. Uh, this week, putting the road, the home stand at four and two, which you know you'll take almost every time with the caliber of opponents that we've had. Um, Sage, what do you think? I'm leaning toward a loss. Uh, the Celtics have a lot of length, which scares me. I just feel it. I feel like they're gonna uh, be one and two this week. Yeah, <laughs> hey, I was five and zero oh last week. I can be. No, you. We both predicted win over Lakers. Yeah, I no, no, no. I said that we win every single game. So I, I, I well, can. Where's that? Where's that positive attitude? We went three and one. Change your <laughs> prediction right now, sir. No, I, I feel good about this one. You're going to be in the building just like I'm going to be in that building. Us two with our powers together, we will not let the Blazers down. Yeah. Oh man, those tickets. My goodness. Sage, oh. I'm going to talk so much shit to you once the Blazers get that win. That's fine. That's not like I'm not used to you talking shit. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to bring back the Dame over Ryan Anderson stuff. I might it doesn't make, hurt me like it used to. I might make up a big <laughs> trade for you. I might God start a rumor. I mean, let's let's get elaborate with this shit. Man, I was so stupid. <laughs> All right, I think that about wraps it up for this episode. Uh, Sage, any final words? Uh, go Blazers. Um. I enjoyed this podcast, man. It was fun. Uh, I can't wait to see you uh, next week, bud. 
let's get it. Can't wait to see you as well. Let's get these wins. Let's close out this homestand strong. And as always, Rip City, baby. Wherever you may be, this is Bill Shinley. Good night, everybody. Let's go! Let's go.